0: and take your business to new heights. Secure your spot today and be part of the AEC industry's future. Visit Zwiggroup.com for more information. The Zwig Group team looks forward to welcoming you.
1: Welcome to the Letter Podcast. Putting architectural, engineering, planning, and environmental consulting advice and guidance in your ear. Zweig Group's team of experts have spent more than three decades elevating the industry by helping AEP and environmental consulting firms thrive. And these podcasts deliver invaluable management, industry, client, marketing, and HR advice directly to you, free of charge. The Zweig Letter Podcasts, elevating the design industry one episode at a time.
0: Hey, folks, and welcome to another episode of the Zweig Letter Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I'm excited to be with you today. I am sitting here. I'm not physically sitting here because he's where he is, and I am where I am. But I'm here with Ralph Ghali, who is the CEO of Hill International. And for the uninitiated, Hill International is one of the largest construction management firms in the world. And uh, Ralph was kind enough to join us today on the Zweigletter podcast to talk about his background and experience and, and also a little bit about what Hill is up to and how they have uh, survived the pandemic as most firms in the design industry space are, are figuring out ways to uh, to make it through these last 20 plus months that we've experienced since the beginning of the pandemic in 2020. So without further ado, Ralph Gali from Hill International, how are you doing?
2: Good morning, Remy. I'm doing great. How about you?
0: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thank you so much for taking time out out of your schedule to, to connect with us today. I would love for you, one of the things that we like to do just at the onset of these conversations for our Zweig Letter podcast listeners is for you to kind of share your superhero origin story, which is just a little bit about you, who is Ralph Gali? So I'd love for you just to kind of give us the cliff note version of you, and uh, and then we'll go from there because I've got some really interesting questions to ask you today.
2: All right, Randy, uh, I'll just make a brief, r- really give it a little bit brief background. I've I've been with Hill since I joined Hill in September 1993. Been with them um, uh, since then. I actually. I came into Hill really to help them start up what was a very small international organization. They had just received a new contract uh, in Armenia, which is um, in Asia. One of the first, if not the first loan that was given by the European Bank for Reconstruction and Development, it was for a power station. So I went out there really on a project really to realize it and it was the first, of its kind where they had Russian technology being coupled up with Western technology in order to generate power in Armenia. It was during the time when there was a conflict between them and Karabakh, in Karabakh with Azerbaijan. So there were really peculiar times, but it was fun. We completed the project and from then on, you know, we started looking at how do we grow the international, grow the international. And the rest is history, as they say.
0: Yeah, it is. It is. And I looked at the arc of your career, and you have just basically risen through the ranks. Most recently, you were president and COO of Hill International before you ascended into the CEO role. Can you talk a little bit about just, I mean, did you imagine being at this position and this point
2: in your career with Hill? No, you you need to understand that the company was really, you know, it was a, we went out it was a family business. It started as a family business, and the founding family were always at the helm. I was close to them we, you know we we grew the company from a small local u s company of probably two hundred and fifty people strong when I first joined them to what it is today. A lot of the growth and organic growth came out of the international and then we did a lot of acquisitions in the u s so while I was president and COO, the The founding family were still in the company. They then have exited since then. We divested some parts of the company because we had gone into some debts. We divested the claims group, which was really the founding portion of our our firm, paid down our debts, reorganized the company, went through a fearless uh, profit improvement plan, which is really downsizing our overhead and general administrative expenses. And then I was uh, appointed by the board as the CEO and took over in 2018, in October 2018.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a tremendous story. And and you guys have grown now. I mean, how many people are you currently staff-wise around the world?
2: We're 3,000 plus strong right now. Wow. Uh, We had peaked before we divested. We had peaked at around 4,500. And we intend to get there and exceed that number very soon. Okay.
0: All right. Yeah, I would imagine with all the work that's coming down the pipeline. So, so let's Ralph, I I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the elephant in the room and I've I find myself talking about this everywhere I go, but you know, the, for the design industry, the pandemic has created some unique opportunities and unique obstacles, right? And so I would be curious to know how you and Hill have come out of the pandemic in the global space. And where are you guys standing right now in terms of how excited you are about the future, some of the challenges that may lay ahead? So I'd love to just kind of get your perspective on the pandemic and how it's impacted Hill.
2: Sure, Randy. Randy, you know, the the good part is that we as an organization went through a lot right before the pandemic. I talked a little bit about selling off the claims group, um, going in through a restructuring and tightening the belts and, and really cutting down our, a lot of our overhead. 2019, we had a record year of new bookings. And as we thought we were about to take off, the pandemic hit us and hit us like everybody else with really no, it was a complete surprise of how fast things turned out to be. But luckily enough, we had endured a lot of difficulties a year and a half ago. So we were pretty lean on our overhead. We also were very fortunate on the fact that probably 90% of our construction was deemed as necessary construction, so it did not stop. So we had about 90% of our workforce really secured and stayed on. We did certain cuts. We tightened the belt on a lot of things, a lot of things that we could do without. And by doing that, we looked at very efficient ways of how can we continue working. We couldn't go back to the office. Our IT was very, very fast in adapting to the times. And we created hubs where we could really work from home much faster than anybody else could do. We actually closed down all our offices. I think we were one of the first firms. I, if you remember right, the pandemic hit around March fifteenth, 2020. I think by March 2022, the following week, I had closed offices all around the world to keep ourselves safe. Unfortunately, we had one fatal, um, one of our colleagues died very early on on, on the during the pandemic, which really saddened us. So we were happy that we took all the measures. But we have come out actually much stronger. We kept our costs very lean and we substituted some of the losses that we got because of the pandemic with finding new ways, new services, new ways to be able to support existing and new clients. And we've come out pretty strong on all this.
0: So... Okay, a couple of questions that I have for you then, based on this, has has anything changed based on how you are, guys? How you're going to work at Hill moving forward in terms of your workforce? Uh, will you allow more remote work? Is that have you found that again? Like you said, you haven't really missed a beat. Are there things that you've implemented during the pandemic that you're going to continue to do post-pandemic?
2: Definitely, we will allow people to be working more from home for two reasons. One, I feel it's a more efficient way of working. We've learned that there is efficiency by allowing people to control their time more, when they can work and, and how they can juggle their private life, personal life with work. We created a environment where we're saying 50% on an average will be working from home and 50% in the office. And you need some office time because you need team building, You need to be able to mentor some of your colleagues and employees as they come up in the ranks. And having it 100% just from home, I don't think is a very good workable environment. Having 100% only in in the office is also something that I think the millennials would not really like. And we want to attract the best talent there is in, uh, in our industry. And therefore we have to adopt. There's also an advantage of doing all this and that is, it's a opportunity for us to look at the office space requirement that we have. So we're going to have some shrinkage in real estate that we do, and we're going to invest it in our business.
0: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. You know, I, I you know, Ralph, I hear design firm leaders saying that all the time here in the United States. I mean, they they all are rethinking how they do work, where they work, and um, ultimately, what are their real estate needs look like in the future. So I think it's going to be interesting for everybody moving forward. There are going to be opportunities to pair expenses. There are going to be opportunities to increase things like uh, personal and professional development for their employees. So I think it's all the way around, I think there are some, there's some real upside opportunities here. So let me ask you on the business practice side from the pandemic itself, from a project management perspective at Hill, What were some of the most important lessons you learned about this pandemic that something that was, that created an awareness for you around how Hill was doing business that you were able to modify outside of the whole remote work and all that? We, we get all that, but were there any other practices from a construction management standpoint, from a project management standpoint that you've been able to modify that have been, that you've benefited from?
2: Yeah, there were. I mean, we used a lot more technology and not just from working from home. But for example, inspection services, instead of actually having to go out and inspect some things in person, we use drones, drones that would be able to fly over and we've hired some pilots for drones uh, to, uh, for example, a highway, actually go through and take videos. And once we look at it and our engineers look at it and would like to see some more details on it, we can send the drone down, and really magnify it. The technology is there to be able to do it. Once there are defects detected from the videos, then the engineers can actually go out there and focus only on the ones where there are defects to really inspect them personally, um, You know, physical inspection, as we say. So we've used technology in a more efficient way to really streamline our work. And really change a bit the best practices that we do with certain things. So that's one, one modification that we've been able to see. And we did the same things. It's not just on highways or, or horizontal. We are also on the vertical as well. We were able to use certain technologies that really helps us be more efficient and provide the services to our clients in a more streamlined way.
0: Yeah. You got to think. I mean, man, it is becoming amazing how impactful drone technology has been to the design industry, right? I mean, I'm I just saw on the news last night that Walmart is going to deliver its first package via drone this weekend. Because I I, you know, based in Fayetteville, Arkansas, we, you know, that's where Zwai Group is based. And you're right up the street is this little company called Walmart. And they're they're adopting technology for retail, but on the on the design industry side, on the construction side, drone technology is really playing a major role in things that you can do. I mean, the way you can scan a building with a drone. I mean, there's just stuff that even five, 10 years ago was just, I mean, I don't think anybody thought it was possible.
2: Dan, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think it's just the beginning of it. And and the pandemic, you know, from every bad situation, good things do come out of it. And I think technology and, and the use of technology within our industry, our industry really in particular project management and supervision, we really were using limited technology. It was all really hands-on, but this has really accelerated the use of technology and looking at you know new best practices. Yeah.
0: So I, you know, I'd love to ask, because again, you guys are not siloed into one specific area. How do you juggle being on multiple continents? You have offices all over the place. I understand that you operate between your Athens office and also Philadelphia? I mean, you're, you're here, there, and everywhere. How do, you, how do you manage that?
2: Very simple. I have a great team. <laughs> I have the best team in the world. Yeah. Uh, we have a very... Our organization is actually flat. We have a very flat organization. It's mainly regional, organized, uh, with some special sector management or end market management as well onto it. And these regional managers have access to me at any time. Um, and their direct reports are um, very easily accessible. So we can make decisions really fast. Every month, we have a review on the entire company's portfolio. It takes us probably a day to go through all the projects worldwide. And we look at where the important parts are, because at the end of the day, when if you manage your weakest link, it just makes you strong. So we just we focus on where the issues are, where the challenges are on a monthly basis worldwide. And all the management is around the table. And we help each other just get over any challenges that they're looking for. And we go forward on that. Yeah. And decisions decisions are made instantaneously with as little bureaucracy as possible. Now, having said that, we're a publicly held company, so we have a lot of controls and we let the controls do their thing and there's a there's a check and balances.
0: Yeah, I was, I was reading some of your financial documents and I, I would imagine that a lot of that, it gets systematized so that you just plug in, it's plug and play. You're able to update that information as you gain new data points, as you gain new financial information, and then certainly as you update projects on a, on a case-by-case basis. So that is the beauty of technology these days is that we're, we're kind of able to do things at, uh, within keystrokes. It's so simple nowadays.
2: That's correct. But yeah. uh, at the end of the day, you know, we make things more complicated sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes if you simplify matters, even in a larger organization, it becomes very simple. You bring it down to simple steps and simple questions and things resolve themselves.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like for you as a leader, you, you are, not that you're hands off, but that you allow people to do their job and there's not a lot of micromanaging going on. I mean, you certainly inspect what's happening, but it sounds like you you give people the, the latitude uh, and the discretion to do their best and do
2: their best work. To me, my job is to find the best people and then allow them to do their job and for me to support them. Yeah, I love that.
0: Let's just talk about this whole issue about, you know, working in an organization that is on multiple continents, you have to be aware of local situations everywhere that you have an office. So, I mean, I know you you work in the US, the Eurozone, the Middle East, and Asia. So, how do you view each of those different areas and how, I mean, are you bullish about just growth overall happening across the board? Or, I mean, do you just closely monitor each area and you adjust accordingly depending on where you're doing business?
2: Each area. And then let me just a um, little bit, Oh, you forgot one area, which is Africa. It's oh, just, I'm sorry. You know, yes. I... Our colleague, in, in case they, they hear that <laughs> they come ignoring them, we, no, everybody's got to no, be treated. Around. I
0: apologize about that. Yeah, how did but I forget the proud. continent? So. And we're,
2: very, we're very proud of, of the work they're doing there as well. We're proud of every region that we're working in. But to answer your question uh, simply, since we've started working, the foundation and our foundation and really perception of how we do business is we go into the different regions and we adapt to the culture of that region. We do not impose our culture, we adapt to their culture, but we bring in best practices. And our job is to come in and provide that service to our clients, bring in the best practices, train locals, and have the locals grow within our organization, make them and understand the Hill way of doing things, Within the culture with adopting within the norms and how business is conducted in those regions. And that is the formula that has worked and why we are successful in being able to work in all of these different cultures. Every region and sub region has its own tailor made strategy for implementation and growth. One strive and one size doesn't fit all. How you handle business in the U.S. is completely different of how you handle business in the Eurozone or in Africa or in Asia.
0: Yeah. And so, and, and again, I don't want to put you on the spot, but do you feel pretty good as we're slowly coming out of this pandemic? I think we all are have pandemic fatigue, but as we slowly come out of this pandemic, are you feeling pretty good about all of those areas that you serve, those marketplaces?
2: We are excited in every location we're doing business right now. The U.S., I think the infrastructure stimulus bill is just an add to what we were expecting as far as infrastructure spending. You know, 70% of our business is in infrastructure. So we were well positioned for a lot of the infrastructure spending anyway that needed to be done. So that add on the on the 1.2 trillion that the president has just signed a few days ago, really adds to the opportunities that we see, foresee ahead. So we're very excited on the times to come. I think the entire world is very tired of uh, being dragged down because of the pandemic, but I see a lot of light in the tub- in the tunnel, and I think we're doing it. We have a similar situation in Europe. You know, the Europeans the European Union approved probably the the largest stimulus package ever with 870 billion dollars that's going to be spread throughout the countries the eurozone countries in mainly and some even the incession countries in most of those countries we have an operation so that's an add again to us so we're very bullish on this Africa and North Africa where really we're doing business has been a very very The business climate in the last two to three years has been very positive. Even with the pandemic, there has been a lot of activity going on. And the Middle East, you know, given the oil prices, I think with the pandemic now recessing with vaccinations and most of the populations vaccinated, being vaccinated in the Middle East. uh, And when I say Middle East, I'm really referring to the Gulf countries, Arabian Gulf countries. Because they were closed for a lot of the time because they were very, very careful because of the pandemic. It's opening up, you've got oil prices that have rebounded, and you've got the local you know conflicts that was there that have been settled. So whichever region I'm looking at, I only see positive rather than than any negativity right now.
0: Yeah, and are you guys doing any work in mainland China at all?
2: Yes, we are. We're um, we're doing uh, work in Shanghai on an industrial project. Um, Unfortunately, I can't speak to which one exactly because it was just awarded lately. But um, we're doing a um, a major industrial investment and for one of the Fortune one hundred companies, U.S. companies there.
0: Okay, so let's talk about this because you know, Ralph, I know that there are a number of construction management firms out there. And some other firms that have similar footprints to yours, but in an essence, what do you think is the true separator between you and a lot of your peer competitors out there from you know, what makes Hill what's the secret sauce of Hill International?
2: The real secret sauce is our people. Okay. But we we take that apart. Now that we know we have the best people, what really is our biggest differentiator between us and our competitors? And I like to put our competitors, divide them into two into two areas. One is the global and international players like us and domestic players. With domestic players, they have limitations to how much they can take on within the markets that they're in. And once we come in as an international player, we usually partner up with them. We usually do other things in order to augment both the local content as well as the understanding and knowledge of the culture that we talked about. What differentiates us between the international and global players and us? We are the only pure play project management company that has a global reach. All our competitors come in from the architectural and engineering world, and some come from the construction world. And they do, and they're great players in the project management field as well, but it's a small part of their business. The major part of their business is engineering and design and construction. We don't do any of that. So there's a lot of conflicts that come from that because as they get on to large programs and large projects, and there's a need for a technical issue that comes up, either technical or technology issue, they will immediate look at internal resources to satisfy that need versus us looking at who is the best in this industry globally to be able to come in and approach the challenge that we have on this project and resolve it. Because we have, we're completely independent and we have really no resources to be able to offer. We wanna bring in the best of the industry to come in with the team, represent us, and get over the hump that the project may have on behalf of our clients. So that's one of the biggest differentiators that we have with our competitors. And I think that's being recognized by many of our clients. And sometimes I hear that you know hill usually punches above its, its weight in a lot of these projects because we get a lot of mega projects. And I think partly it's because of that, and the other part is because we're a very focused Company. And if you're a project manager and you want to grow in project management, where would you like to be in? Would you like to be in a company that 10% of its business does project management or a hundred percent of its business does project management and your career will take off with So
0: yeah, I that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, when you you know, a lot of times firms enjoy the ability to be able to say, we have it all in-house, but sometimes that all in-house that they refer to isn't, I mean, everything isn't up always up to the same level in terms of standard and quality. And what I hear you saying is that while you operate from a project management standpoint at the highest level possible, you also look for some of these other peer firms that are out here that can be part of the projects that you're working on to bring their A-game. And together, you guys are able to to create, you know, just a really strong front in terms of how you serve the needs of the clients. That is exactly
2: correct. You, you said it probably much better than I did. <laughs> so, okay. No, I like that. No,
0: I, I, that makes perfect sense. But I just want our listeners to understand how you operate. Because I think sometimes, you know, when, especially for our audience, primarily are design firms, but when you think about project management, when you think about construction management and, and what that looks like, sometimes it's nebulous and it's hard to get your arms around the capabilities of the firms that you work with but it's clear to understand that you have a strength and then what you do is unify other organizations that have similar strengths in different areas of the project and then when you as you come together you guys are like the justice league it's like it's like you got superman you got batman you have if i can use a a superhero analogy you've got all these top individuals that you know individually they're strong but collectively
2: they're almost you know unbeatable That is correct. And sometimes some of these firms are really our competitors, but it doesn't matter on that assignment. We need that portion or that part of their organization to really overcome and do the best service for our client. And that's what we do.
0: And you, so that, that means you just really walk the walk of putting the client first in every situation to serve their need.
2: Unless we put, and we put, we'd rather say we put the project interest first. Right because we all work on one one principle if the project is successful everybody else succeeds successful
0: yeah okay all right so outside of everything that we've kind of talked about and as you've been in this CEO role now for a couple of years and of course you you ascended to the CEO role right before the pandemic started so you've you've only been tr- you know really trying to put out fires as a CEO as a leader of of a growing company what is what are one or two of your biggest you know, hopes for the future for
2: Hill and for the,
0: for the industry?
2: Well, I think, like I said, construction really never stopped. It got delayed. Uh, pandemic created a lot of unfortunate delays in a lot of things. I think these are all going away. What I'm hoping for is we go back to being aggressive on, there's a lot of construction that has been put on hold, that has been delayed, that it all comes back we know that the supply chain is really right now being challenged because production because of the pandemic was uh, slowed down a lot and you you have a peaks in demand on certain things but i think again i believe production is going to catch up within the next if i was guessing man probably by mid 22 you're going to start seeing the production is catching up with demands and things are going to come down and a lot of this inflationary Issues are going to start coming back down. I, you know, we've all read a lot of things on this, and I'm a firm believer that it will be. But I think that there's a big need worldwide for growth and for getting back to a life that is a normalized, a new normal life, but one that has a future. And I believe the planet has a lot of future. I mean, we're looking at not just the infrastructure works but we're going off with new technologies, with electrical vehicles, with alternate power sources, with environmental issues that create the need for more construction, put a lot of people at work so that we can also protect our planet for the future. Okay.
0: So 2021 is, as we wind up here, the 45th year of Hill International. Obviously, you as you've shared over the past thirty minutes that it's been a really unique and remarkable journey that you've experienced. If there was one thing, if I could kind of pin you into the corner and say, what's the one thing in the next five years between this forty fifth year in business and the fiftieth year that you guys will celebrate in twenty twenty six what's the one thing that you'd like to see come to pass in in that short timeframe because it it'll twenty twenty six will be here before you know it, Ralph. You know that, right so
2: Unfortunately, yes, we've seen <laughs> these years just go by so fast. <laughs> yes,
0: time, time waits for no man or woman, so that's
2: for sure. That is true. The one thing I want Hill to be the employer of choice for the project management and construction management services on a worldwide and global level. Because if we are that, we know that we're just going to continue have future for all our people and all our clients, and we are serving them correctly.
0: Well, it certainly seems and appears that you have a heart for your people, which I'm sure translates into the overall job satisfaction that a lot of people find there at Hill International. So I certainly want to applaud you for that. And I've always been taught, especially in this industry, but I think it it bodes, it bears repeating in any industry, in any business, if you take care of your people, your people will take care of your clients. And that, that goes without saying. And so, Ralph Gallia, it sounds like you're taking care of your people and you continue to do that. And that by the time 2026 rolls around and you guys are celebrating your 50th anniversary, you'll have some higher plateaus that you will have reached and uh, that you guys are going to continue to grow. So thank you so much for sharing your story and sharing what Hill International is all about. We really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to
2: do this. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me and uh, happy Thanksgiving as well.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, folks, that's another episode of the Zweig Letter podcast. To learn more about one of the oldest newsletters in the design industry, you can visit zweigletter.com And you can also visit them at zweiggroup.com. You can read articles online, listen to this podcast and sign up for a free subscription to the newsletter and have it delivered right into your email inbox every Monday morning. Sign up today. For more info about Zweig Group's advisory services or any Zweig Group publications, visit com. Follow the Zweig Letter podcast wherever you listen to it. Apple, Spotify, Google Play, it doesn't matter. We're everywhere. And uh, consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts if you have the chance. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and we'll see you with a new episode
1: very soon. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to the Zweigletter podcast. We hope that you can be part of elevating the industry and that you can apply our advice and information to your daily professional life. For a free digital subscription to the Zweigletter, please visit thezweigletter.com slash subscribe to gain more wisdom and inspiration. In addition to information about leadership, finance, HR, and marketing your firm. Subscribe today!